You're listening to the Paul Cardall Podcast. Please show your support by subscribing along with leaving a review. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good, man. I first saw you with, I don't think, is it all the group of kids from Hope Children's that were there or just a handful of kids? Just a handful. Okay, yeah. They came to the Bible study and they sang for us and, you know, gosh, it it's powerful stuff. It's really awesome. heart-wrenching, but hopeful. And uh, what moved me, I do have to say, is one of the one of the girls looks just like my my youngest. And I'm uh-huh. I'm sure you get those yeah yeah things, and it's like oh yeah, it, it hits home. So for sure, yeah. Tell us more about Hope Children's Home and kind of this. I also want to learn be educated about the shift from where we used to call them orphanages yeah to now we call them homes right yeah no i appreciate it paul Uh, so hope children's home has been around it's been around since 1968 so it's 55 years now and um based out of florida and um you know we really just started out of a need in a church and so um, of course this is well before my time but as I was told, the story is that there was a church here in Tampa that had a couple, uh, a brother and sister, that uh, the church people were just kind of taken in. And back in the 60s, you know, these kids were just kind of floating, you know, from church member to church member, and there weren't really any issues with that back then. And um, and so the church just kind of said, well, what if we kind of formalized this and just bought a house and kind of started uh, a home for, for children that don't have anywhere to go? And so... They bought a um, a little hunting cabin and kind of sort of fixed it up and um, found a couple in the church that just decided to kind of do this thing full time. And that's really was the birth of Hope Children's Home. And so um, interesting enough, that very first girl is uh, to this day is, is a missionary uh, over in Nepal. And so, um, you know, so since then, we've had several thousand children come through Hope Children's Home. And, um, you know, we we care for kids and, and you you got to meet some of our, our children. Um, and I say it this way, they're good kids that come from a bad situation. So, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for the facilities that are out there that, you know, help troubled teenagers and kids that have sort of lost their way. Th- those are definitely needed, um, but that's not who we are. And so to kind of speak into, you know, the shift from orphanage term to home, um, at least for, for Hope Children's Home, um, that's, truly what we try to exemplify here is we just try to emulate a home like I was fortunate enough to grow up in. And we try to do that exact same thing here to these kids that through no fault of their own, they've just found themselves in a bad situation. And so typically it's like their parents have made bad choices. So, you know, and and especially in today's age, we see a lot of drugs and alcohol and uh, man, it just absolutely destroys families. And um, we've seen parents that are incarcerated, they've made bad choices. Um, parents uh, sometimes that just literally, <laughs> Paul, it's crazy, literally drop their kids off and just don't want them anymore for whatever reason. Um, maybe it's cramping their style or they have, you know, something else that they're finding more important than their own children. So, um, but then occasionally we have, uh, parents that genuinely love their kids. A lot of times like a single mom or dad. Uh, maybe that has three or four or five kids and just financially can't take care of them. And so for whatever the reason, you know, we're able to bring these kids in 
and, and love them and to give them a home that, um, you know, and, and hopefully by pointing them to Christ, which is, you know, obviously the greatest change that they will make in their life, we can see what is probably generations of difficulties, um, hopefully break that cycle and uh, see them to be productive members of society, but also soldiers going out for the kingdom of Christ as well. Yeah, the whole thing is is fascinating to me. And uh, is there like a particular case you can share with us that kind of goes through the process of of their life? Maybe that you have one person you can yeah about. You don't have to yeah. share name, but maybe maybe okay. Yeah, and um, I can I don't mind sharing the name. Um, so one of the guys that was there when we did the Bible study with you all. Um, taller guy in the back. He's one of our seniors. His name's Jaden. And uh, Jaden has been with us for, oh man, I bet it's 12 or 13 years now. Um, And he came in when he was just a young guy. He's 18 now, but uh, actually came from Queens, New York. And he had an older sister and a younger sister and a younger brother. And so the four of them were all in our, in our care. And, um, while they lived in Queens, their mom was a single mom, and she would literally lock them in the bathroom at night um, in Queens, New York. If you could imagine that, these young ones, uh, some of them just, you know, very, very young. And um, while she went out doing whatever she did at night and uh, would come back in the wee hours of the morning or, you know, the next morning and and kind of, you know, get them out of the bathroom. And that just went on for a period of time. And some of the extended family kind of stepped in and was like, man, you're not going to do this when they found out about it. And so they sort of um, brought the kids in to their care, but they didn't really have a real way of taking care of them. And so through a series of events, they found out about Hope Children's Home all the way down in Florida here and uh, contacted us. And so we brought those young kids in and uh, man, I just tell you, they yeah, they were a little bit wild at first, but that's to be expected given that they had no real structure and discipline. And and so we brought them in, but they're great kids, man. And so um, Jaden has has grown up with us. His sister, older sister, um, was with us as well. And um, when we got her again, she was just, I, I don't know, probably seven or eight, realized that, um, and this is a, the story that I think you could connect with, Paul, but she had um a heart defect and so she had um a surgery when she was first born and then she was due for her overdue for her next surgery um by a couple years and so when we found out about this again we just had just got these kids and we noticed the scar and uh and so we started following up anyways she ends up having an open heart surgery with us and um and, and she's doing fine with that but um Jaden um, you know, as he's grown up here, just turning into a fine young man. And um, a couple in 2021, one of his younger brother um, was 14, ended up passing away. And uh, he was back with his mom at this point. He had lived with us for about 10 years, but um, just went to bed and never woke up. And, uh, and so Jaden had to deal with that. And then at that same exact time, his older sister that had already had the heart surgeries um, had a stroke. And uh, she was only 18 at the time. And so, you know, this guy living in a children's home, growing up in a children's home, just kept on getting hit after hit with these very difficult things to deal with. And um, and so, you know, but he stuck strong. He's obviously a believer. He knows the Lord. And, and that's what such an element to our program is that teaching these kids that 
you know, number one, there's a God that will never leave them and forsake them, no matter what their family has done. Um, but two, it's a God that's always there to comfort them, even in their darkest times and in their difficult times. And so um, Jaden really was able to lean into that. And so, um, you know, fast forward to, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were with you guys in a Bible study and we're out on tour and every night Jaden gets up and he shares his testimony of the, the goodness of God and how through it all, God's still good. And it's, it almost chokes me up even here on the podcast, just thinking about that. And he's been through things that I've never had to go through and I'm 41 years old. And, um, but at such a young age, not only going through those things, but being able to get up and testify that, you know, it is dark, it is tough, but through it all, God's still good. And so, um, so that's what really what it's all about. So he's graduating with us here in a couple of weeks and uh, heading off to college on hopefully a basketball scholarship. And uh, we'll see what God does with him. Incredible. Yeah. In those cases where, you know, you bring people like him in and his sister, how do you, how do you pay for heart, heart surgery? I know what that bill is. Um, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, the heart transplant, it, it's weird when you look at the bill because they, they put the heart, a human heart at $45,000. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> Well, it just blows my mind how weird that is. That right, yeah. The number to it. And families don't get any of that. It's Or we'd go into this weird business. But right. knowing what it costs, I'm assuming you guys have an insurance policy surrounded mm -hmm. for each of the children. Is it like this weird family policy? Is it a government policy? Is it a... Because you guys are a private... Sure. You're not a federally funded. You're not state funded. Mm -hmm. It's all private. Yeah. Which is really beautiful. Yeah, not to not to dock the other uh, programs, but mm -hmm. how do you guys deal with that financial aspect? Yeah, so it, it's it, we have all kinds of ways, and so um, there is some state assistance for the children um, on the medical side of things, um, and then we do have private insurance. We have even like just regular doctors visits. If you can imagine, you know, with a hundred children just the wellness visits and then the sick visits and all that kind of stuff. So um, we have a good group, uh, a community here, um, a few doctors that will, uh, you know, just we call them and whether there's insurance or not, it's just they, they say, man, bring the kid in and we'll help them out and do what we can. So, yeah, we've had surgeries, you know, from, from surgeons that they've just said, you know, we'll slip them in in between, you know, OR visits and we'll do it for free and things. And so it really is a testimony to, Number one, just the fact that we live in a community that um, is, is philanthropic. People love to give and they want to be a part of something when they know that um, that need is there. And it's also, I think, a testimony to God's people because they lean in very heavily and to make sure that each and every month our bills are paid and our needs are met and we never go without. And God's, you know, supplies every need that we ever have. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for those that are not, familiar with the christian life so many of us associate jesus with the religion that is part of the state you know yeah. listeners that are in europe listeners that are in other countries and what matt's talking about is providing these children with the knowledge that god is a father and so many of these kids do not have a father figure they don't have a father modeled for them mm -hmm. And uh, what the gospel does, at least for me and for you and for so many people, is it teaches us we're not alone. Right. And with that 
teaching, we also have this overwhelming feeling from the Holy Spirit that mm. assures us that that's true. And I imagine when kids come in, they're scared. Mm-hmm. They, how long does it take for them to adjust once they come in? Yeah. So, you know, each, each child is different. It, and that's a neat thing to see observing, you know, you get a young person in and it just seems like without exaggeration, sometimes it's like day one, you know, they just jump right in and it seems like I'll see them running around campus and I'll be like, man, they're like, totally fitting in and making friends. Um, some, sometimes it's, you know, that can be a process of weeks and even months. And I'm working with one of our young young ladies right now. She's uh, 15 and uh, she's been here for months. And I just, there's just still those walls, right? And, you know, no matter how much you love, no matter how much you demonstrate that, um, there's just these tight walls that, that kids put up. And rightfully so, I, I totally get it. Um, especially when you know their past. But um, so sometimes that takes months to be able to break down and and realize, you know what, I'm going to, the kids, you know, would say, you know, well, they wouldn't vocalize it, but, you know, it's just, it's just that process of I'll let myself be vulnerable and I'll, I'll test that water just a little bit and see. And, and that's why it's so important. We have wonderful staff here that um, can recognize that and just br- embrace these young people and bring them in and, and really show the love of God to them. And um, I'll tell you one story, if you don't mind, uh, one of the, another one of the guys that was in the group that traveled with us, his name's Aiden, and he is that exact what we're talking about here. I mean, uh, from day one, it was kind of like, you know, I dare you to try to love me, you know, just absolutely every wall, uh, bricked and mortared and everything. And uh, we say, okay. And, and you, I might even look at him and be like, man, that kid's kind of a punk. Like he's just, you know what I mean? He's like so standoffish. He won't talk to you. Um, but you know what? you know, you obviously one can't take those things personal. Like sometimes it feels personal, like, well, he won't even say hi to me and I'm trying to talk to him. Um, But you know what? You just keep loving. You just keep loving. And um, eventually, you know, those walls start to break down. And like I said, they'll maybe take a couple bricks down and and, and peek through and say, okay, let me test this out. Um, And and when you have staff and and the Lord's love involved. Um, So this kid now, like he was traveling with us on tour. He also shares his story. He was the one playing the cajon, um, if you remember him. And he's over there smiling, singing a solo in one of the songs. And it's just like, who is this kid? You know, like a year and a half ago, um, he wanted nothing to do with anybody. And so now he's on the back of the bus while we're traveling. He's back there writing songs, playing guitar, and uh, just just absolutely fitting in like as if he had been here forever. So those are the cool stories of transformation that you see um, when you just be consistent, man. You just got to keep keep going, keep going. You can't press them too hard because you'll you'll never get the results you want when you're trying to press it. You just got to follow at their pace, love them at their pace and be there when they're ready to open up. So that's really cool. I love it. Coming into you know, when you guys are on tour and you're out singing and performing at these different things, coming into the group that, you know, we have, uh-huh. knowing that there were a ton of pretty well-known musicians, was yeah, he yeah. Excited? <laughs> excited? Whoa, I mean, whoa, how was he feeling? Do you remember what, how he was feeling? Oh, he was super nervous. Yeah, he was definitely nervous because he's like, man, yeah, it's exactly what you're talking about. So he knew there was recording artists in there and producers and sound engineers. In fact, the whole group was pretty nervous. They were like, man, are we, I just told him, I said, listen, guys, these are just a bunch of guys in there that love the Lord and they're going to give you so much grace. Even if you blow it, like 
it's still going to be fantastic to them. So, uh, so it turned out well, but yeah, he was definitely nervous. And, and, uh, especially when you had to sing that four line solo, you know, <laughs> big, big solo. So. <laughs> yeah. It was a sacred moment. Yeah. See some of God's children who need love. They need yeah. extra love. And you have a hundred kids, an estimated a hundred kids at uh-huh. home here. You also have a home in New Mexico and in Honduras. Yeah. Yeah. How is it different down in Honduras? <laughs> here in the United States, I imagine it's it's quite it, different. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not like Little Orphan Annie, and they've got Miss Hannigan there. It's uh, yeah. slightly different. So yeah, what's that? Yeah, like? no, Honduras is awesome. I I love the you know <clears throat> the kids there, the staff there, uh, but it is quite different. And so um, you know, Honduras is is second poorest country in the world, and um, you know I've obviously been there many times, and uh, crime is, is just through the roof. So the, the city that we fly into has been named multiple times the murder capital of the world. And so um, it just, it's it's a very interesting place. So we have a beautiful campus tucked in the middle of just shanties and, you know, these cardboard and, and tin, tin kind of makeshift homes. Um, we have this beautiful property there and um, the young people, you know, grow that grow up there. And we have uh, you know, teach them English, which is huge. If if they speak English there, kind of puts them above, you know, as far as jobs when they when they go to graduate and things like that. And so, um, but really the, the core of what we do is the same, you know, loving children and pointing them to Christ. All of that's the same. Um, culturally, it's just a little, a little bit different, a lot of bit different, actually. So, <laughs> yeah. And your dad is the uh, executive director. Yes. Mm-hmm. of all of this when did when did your family start to get associated and involved in no, this and why Yeah, it's a great question so my dad um all growing up he was an associate pastor uh, where we grew up in indianapolis and uh, he was also the youth pastor and so um, my senior year of high school um he was starting to transition into to something else but kind of his last activity um, with the youth group was uh to take a missions trip from Indiana down to Tampa, Florida, to this place called Hope Children's Home. Didn't really know much about it. And so that was my senior year. My dad's the youth pastor. We come down. Well, while he's down here for that week, um, the administration at the time asked him to, you know, consider coming on board here on staff. And he was kind of like, no, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of a transition. I'm moving to something different. Um, but he's like, I'll pray about it. So anyways, he starts praying about it. I go off to college that fall. And um, sometime in that semester, toward the end of the semester, he calls me and says, you know, we just feel like God is calling us to hope. Um, and so, um, you know, I always joke, I left Indiana for my for college and then my parents moved. And I was like, well, luckily they told me because my next semester I came home to Tampa, Florida, and I didn't know much, you know, besides that mission trip about Hope Children's Home. And so uh, long story short, he's been here ever since. He um, shortly after he got here, um, kind of the administrators at the time sort of transitioned out pretty quickly. And he stepped up as the executive director. And, um, and then I graduated college a few years later, got married and my wife and I joined on staff and that's been about 19 years this July. It's amazing. Yeah. Let me share with listeners something your dad said. It's on the uh, website, hopechildrenshome.org. Hope, hopechildrenshome.org. If you want to, Go find that again, hopechildrenshome.org. He says the philosophy of hope is simple. We provide each child with a stable, loving, and Christ-centered environment. 
which is, you know, something a lot of the world does not understand or comprehend. That's that that's possible. He says, as children develop a personal relationship with the Lord, it creates a change within their heart. We combine this change with a top-rated, excellent education, thus providing each child with the foundational structures needed to accomplish great things in their lives. Era and that that's just remarkable because there are so many people who are giving up on our society because they know the behavior patterns Hmm. of adults. Yeah, they question whether or not the next generation is stable enough Hmm. to 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 go forward. But you're obviously (laughs) telling these amazing stories of how they transition through this process and become very successful contributing people of society. Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the things, you know, um, when we, when we met you on tour, um, our theme for that tour was believe. And, um, you know, society would push on these children, a belief system that they're not worthy because of their background. They're not able, they're not capable. And I know those things aren't always vocalized, like that, but just circumstantially, they, that's the feeling or the, the reality that they get. And so to bring them in and to have them believe again, um, believe in God, believe in themselves, believe that they can accomplish anything through through the strength of God, um, it's awesome to see these kids graduate and go off to college, serve the Lord, or become great lay people in the church serving, whatever God called them to do. But just the simple fact that their past doesn't have to define who they are. And in Christ, they can become whomever he calls them and chooses them to be. So it's fantastic. Are people able to adopt these children? Or is this a home where you're working with the parents or organizations are working with the parents to, I guess, prepare them to take the children back? Yeah, so that's that's basically it. So one of our big goals is reunifying the family back together, if it's possible. So I told you about Jaden, who's grown up here. Um, and we have others, but, um, you know, we do try to work as, as closely as we can with the parents. And sometimes it's, it's circumstances that just doesn't work out. Um, and that's fine. We, we just keep loving the kids and being here. But, um, if it's possible, we work with the parents and, um, a lot of times it's, it's educational things. You know, you might have a young single mom who just doesn't, she never had a great example. She doesn't know what it means to be a parent. So we work with them, um, bring them in, teach them the basics. Sometimes it's just as simple as, okay, you got to get a job, you know, <laughs> you got to get an apartment, you got to get a car, just the things that you and I think take for granted that we've been taught all growing up. But, um, and so, um, so, so that we work with them. And then sometimes it's just, you know, uh, if, it, if there's addictions, drugs, alcohol, or incarcerations, we work with prison ministries that, go in and visit these families and and try to teach them about God. And, um, you know, our goal is to see them come to Christ as well, because we know that that's going to be a huge step in the foundation for restoring their family. But uh, when all fails, and um, even if there's no effort on behalf of the parents, then we are the fallback and uh, they stay here. As far as adoption, occasionally um, we do have opportunities. Um, they're few and far between. And um, I think there's different philosophies on this, but I think in my 19 years here, um, I would just kind of say it this way. There's there's certain families that for all intents and purposes, they're not going to clean up their act, um, but they also don't want anyone else to have their kids, if that makes sense on a permanent basis. I, I think when they're at hope 
Um, there is hope in their life. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to get my things together this year, or, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to step up and be that parent this year. And days turn into weeks into months. And and a year later, they're kind of like, oh man, I'm, I still need to get my stuff together. So I think it's almost like year to year, these parents are trying. And, and, um, and so, uh, but there's a few times, uh, there's adoptions occasionally. And, uh, my, my wife and I actually adopted two your children uh, through hope and uh, just a, just a unique circumstance. That makes sense because you're constantly at hope and they mm-hmm. know the kids at hope. Mm-hmm. So it's still this family because what I saw, you know, when all these kids came in and sang and we got to know a little bit more about what hope is, I thought to myself, wow, this is a family. Mm-hmm. You can't break up this family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they've already been broken up through the other situation you come in and try to adopt, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't think it's wise unless you're really within the the confines of the organization and they sure. get to see all these kids all the time. Yeah. Um, but I would say this, Paul, we have a new ministry initiative we're launching this year called Bundles of Hope. Um, and it's looking for um, mothers that are in a crisis pregnancy, maybe even contemplating abortion. And uh, for whatever reason, just can't have this baby can't keep this baby um and and essentially right now they that mom has three options she can go ahead and have the baby and just try to make it work or she can have the baby and put the baby up for adoption or thirdly and sadly she could abort the baby but we want to come in and offer a fourth choice and that fourth choice is just simply hey have the baby but let us take care of the baby and so we'll literally pick the baby up from the hospital and bring it into our care and we're building special houses that are designed with nurseries just for these babies and it gives the mom an opportunity to be able to whatever it is if she's a college student needs to finish college if she whatever the circumstances of life were that she felt like she couldn't keep this baby um, allow a year maybe two at the most uh, for her to be able to kind of resolve that issue. Um, and if she decides, you know, hey, I, 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 knew, I want the baby, I'm a mom, I'm ready to do this, she can come get the baby. Um, if after that year or two, she's just like, man, I don't think this is going to work out, um, then we have, uh, that's what we started an adoption agency to find a forever family for these, you know, one or two year olds. And so that is something that we're uh, leaning into a lot more. And uh, we just uh, submitted for permits to start building these nursery homes. And uh, hopefully, Lord willing, by the end of the year, we'll have, uh, uh, you know, groundbreaking ceremony, building the first few of these houses and uh, being able to rescue some of these babies. Yeah, what I'm here, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah. What I'm hearing is the gospel of Jesus Christ in action because there's this idea that people do not change. Mm. So you're giving these people an opportunity Mm -hmm. to let the Holy Spirit work within them. Sure. Help change them. I mean, we've had people on the podcast that their lives have just been horrific. Mm. You know, we saw uh, Joshua Broom, who was on the podcast, totally different subject. Mm -hmm. He was one of the top five porn stars. And when he hit rock bottom, you know, he didn't have a father figure. He didn't have anybody to teach him morals and, and the consequences of, of, of sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, he was rescued by one person wow. who knew his n- real name. Mm-hmm. And anyway, he had a major change, uh, uh, met a girl. Um, she got him going to church. They got married. 
he became a, a full-time pastor and it's been oh, man. <laughs> years. So yeah. I'm like, if God can change the heart of this immoral man who's being oh, yeah. do this, you know, a millionaire yeah. uh, to shed all that filth, mm. God can do anything. And, and I love that you guys are trusting God in the process of keeping these kids associated with their their parents because right. i mean i can't even i don't know and and maybe we can talk about this i don't know yeah. why parents um tend to quit maybe it's let's talk about this for a minute because maybe it's this they don't want to mm. but there's an addiction or something they need to self-soothe their trauma from previous sure. situations and um they just know there's an organization that's solid and incredible and mm. they're going to take care of this child while I go and try to figure yeah. out my, my crap, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's most of the situations. Sure. No, I think you're spot on with that. Yeah. Especially when it comes to the addictions, because you know, the, it is such a controlling vice and um, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these parents are are good people. Um, you know, it doesn't make you an inherently bad person with an addiction. Um, you know, you have bad habits that result in terrible consequences. Uh, but I've seen so many parents just literally in tears. Um, I don't want to be this person, but I don't know how to change. I don't know what it takes. And so, I mean, I mean, that's probably a whole other podcast of just the the strength that, you know, these addictions have. Um, but I think you're right. I think that they, um, in, a, in a weird way, dropping your kids off at Hope is, is an, an interesting demonstration of love in a way, right? Because it's like, I don't, I, I know I shouldn't be this person, but no matter how hard I've tried, I can't change that right now but I also don't want to drag my kids through this anymore. And so for their sake, I'm going to step aside and let these people that are going to love them and care for them and give them a good education. I'm going to let that happen so I can get my things together. And, um, and, and, and if a parent truly comes to that point, um, this is a great opportunity because they no longer have that burden of waking up and making sure their kids are taken care of and all of the necessities that you and I as parents have to, you know, constantly maintain. I do that. And I feel like I'm barely floating that some days. Right. And I don't have addictions and I don't, you know, so I couldn't imagine what that burden would feel like on top of the burden of addictions um, or whatever it is in their life that has just put them in that situation. So um, the two, two kids that my wife and I adopted, um, you know, uh, their father had literally just dropped them off here and, um, they, they, the kids had kind of went back and forth between hope and their dad and their biological mom had passed away when they were little. And so dad got a new girlfriend and it was kind of a, a toxic relationship there. She had her own kids and didn't really care a whole lot for his kids. And so there was some animosities there, but anyway, so um, after about the second or third time that he had dropped them off here, he calls me and he says, Matt, I'm, I want to come and, and bring, bring the kids back. And he says, but this time it's for good. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, he's like, I'm, I'm just going to drop them off and uh, I want you guys to raise them. And they were seven and nine at the time. And so I said, well, come on out to, to hope. And he says, no, I don't, I don't even want to come on campus. Can you meet me at Wendy's? 
And so picture this scene. I meet him at Wendy's. He brings the two little, you know, little girl, nine years old, little boy, seven years old, cute as a button. And um, we sat down at a table over a frosty and uh, he looked them right in the eyes. This is their dad. And he says, I'm never coming back again. And he says, I'm leaving you today. He says, I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to write you. And, and I'm eyewitnessing this, right? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is crazy. And uh, he says, I'm moving out of state. Don't try to look me up. You won't find me. And um, he signed some paperwork and walked out. And that was the last time they've ever heard from him. Um, and so so here I am. I'm a, I'm a brand new dad at that point. Our firstborn uh, biological son was just born a couple of days. Like my wife had just got home from the hospital. And I'm like, man, this, this just can't be. And so I talked to my wife. I said, hey, I know we've got a couple of things going on. We're brand new parents and you're on maternity leave. But I think we need to bring these kids into our home and give them a forever home. And so right then and there, we started that process. And um, a few years later, the adoption finalized and, uh, you know, God's been good. And so it's kind of freaks people out when I tell them I have a 26-year-old daughter and uh, <laughs> a 24-year-old son. They're like, hold on, that math doesn't quite work. But uh, but we're super proud of them and, and love them to death. So, Do they talk about their dad at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and that was an interesting journey, especially with her, because she was for sure a daddy's girl at that point. And so here I'm enemy number one, right? You know, <laughs> coming in as the dad. Um, and, and I never forced that relationship. Um, she could call me Matt. She could call me dad. She could, you know, whatever. I was just going to be that role in her life. And kind of like what we talked about before, I'm not going to force it. But when those walls came down and so, um, you know, it was difficult uh, at times, but um, they had no big interest in really following suit and finding whatever happened to their dad. And as they got older, went off to college, of course, then they got, you know, social media and things and they were able to track him down and realize that he ended up, you know, staying with this stepmom that, you know, was just treated them terribly and kind of just went on with life, raising her kids. And they saw pictures of them at Christmas time, opening up presents. And um, so, I mean, you talk about, uh, just kind of like a, a deeper razor blade, you know, to see it, it almost would have made, I think that they would have felt better if he truly would have moved out of state and just kind of became a deadbeat person or whatever. It'd have been like, okay, but they just kind of felt like he, they were in his way and he dropped them off so that he could go have a family with this lady. And uh, so now to this day, they've never reached out to him directly and don't really have a desire to. Yeah. in his situation I've seen in so many cases where, you know, your relationships are not going well and then you meet somebody and you believe that relationship is going to help solve all your problems, Mm. but that person doesn't have the same bonding you have with that child. And Mm. so in a way they're pushing them aside because they don't want them to get in between, you know, don't get in between me and my yeah. new spouse. Mm-hmm. I want you to divert all the attention to me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I can see his frustration that then builds into, yeah, you know, I can't, I'm in a pickle type sure. situation, which, man, the devil really creates those dynamics. Right. Um, man. But man. I'm thankful for that, that time at Wendy's because up until then, as I said, they were kind of coming back and forth and, you know, well, let's go back and see if it works and it doesn't. So let me drop them off back at Hope. And in her being a true daddy's girl, like 
I'm telling you, Paul, like the sun and moon set in this girl's eyes for her dad. And, um, but when he said that that day, it just put a period on that. Like it was an opportunity for her to put that period and then be able to move past it. It was difficult. It's one of the worst things I think a parent could ever do in that sense. But in the other sense is it gave her that opportunity to fresh start again. That process was years, <laughs> but it was that period she could always look back and be like, oh, well, it's been two years. He hasn't called. He hasn't stopped by. Maybe I ought to give this new life a shot. <laughs> Maybe I ought to give this new family a shot. Um, and so through the process of time, and now we just have an awesome relationship with her. We talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ can change us, give us confidence, can prepare us for the world. And I'm assuming you also have forms of therapy. Mm-hmm for the kids because, yeah. you know, gosh, yeah, the trauma, the mental illness, all of that stuff. What are you guys doing in terms of uh, therapy, uh, yeah. psychological help and support for these, these kids? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm a certified counselor. My dad's a certified therapist, um, which that, that does some, um, but there's, their needs are deep more than I can handle. So, um, so we do outsource that to Christian therapists in the community and some come here. Um, we take some and, uh, we're, we're just, uh, got a couple new kids that are starting in a new therapy and it's not new, but it's new to us play therapy. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty interested to see some of these middle age uh, children that I think that that might be in, in for them to be able to really express what they need to to these therapists but yeah so again it's kind of a community effort and it's just another you know ring the bell to the community here that they just step up and help out in so many ways and are you finding that also in honduras so honduras is a different story yeah there's not a lot of resources there and so a lot of the uh counseling and therapy type of things are done um, in a ministry setting like through the pastors at the church and um, things and we do that here in tampa as well but um, if there were more resources there, um, we would certainly take advantage of those. But, um, you know, and that's something that we're looking into for the future of maybe bringing a, a full-time staff member on and staff them in Honduras, as, as crazy as that might be. But um, it's, it's probably a necessity. And when I saw this, you know, when I first became familiar with this, I, I knew of a friend of mine who's an author. He wrote The Christmas Box and out in Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm with all the, I mean, he made a lot of money. He got a $10 million deal with Simon & Schuster. And what he did was create a foundation. They started what's called the Christmas Box House. And it's a little different from this because it's a transitional place mm -hmm. where kids are taken from their homes. And, and instead of going to the police station, they go directly to this house okay. where they have the social worker. They have a representative from the, the police department, from everybody from the state. So they're able to love on these kids in a... I mean, it's the Christmas box house, so there's kind of Christmas everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, I don't know, and I don't know if long-term that then associates Christmas with a traumatic event, but yeah, <laughs> very loving situation. And this obviously is, is so different. A lot of people get involved with the Christmas box house by doing a lot of things. And when I saw you guys performing, and obviously my heart was drawn to, like everybody's heart is drawn to one particular because God just puts it on our heart. Sure, yeah. This one person, what can I do to help that person yeah. well, adopt that person? It's a, not that type of situation. Um, you know, you can make financial donations, but are, are, how can people, um, 
get involved? Do they do they come to the uh, home and mm-hmm. help in some capacity? I mean, I'm sure people are listening, going, "I, I want to do something," but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so if, if, you know, those that might be listening in the Tampa area, you know, uh, stop by, we, we utilize volunteers, um, just connecting with the ministry in a personal way. You know, the, the Bible says that your eye affects your heart. And so everything we could talk about today, you know, may inspire us or encourage us, but you put your eyes to the campus and your eyes to the kids. It makes all the difference in the world. Um, as far as those that maybe aren't local to Tampa, um, you know, I would say two things. Um, number one, and I and I truly mean this first and foremost is is just keep us in your prayers. Um, you know, uh, God has blessed this ministry for fifty five years, and uh, you know, you're running a Christ centered ministry that's dealing with minors. Um, there's always things that pop up. Um, it's I would say there's usually targets on our back somewhere from the devil. So um, you may not always know all the ins and outs, but, you know, just pray for Hope Children's Home, pray for the staff, pray for the kids. And, and um, you know, that's big. And then, as you mentioned, financially, um, there's ways to get behind us financially through a monthly support or a one-time gift or whatever. And those are easily done on our website at hopechildrenshome.org. But I would say it this way, like, if we had all the finances in the world, and we didn't have God's people praying for us, this place would have shut down a long time ago. So don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. You maybe listen, you say, man, financially, the economy is crazy right now. I can't help. All I can do is pray. Don't discount that. <laughs> That's huge. Pray for us. Pray for us. And uh, we certainly covet that and appreciate it. And I'm looking on your website right now. This is going to go out before Mother's Day. Um, it says that your Mother's Day gift doubles. Yeah. Boys and girls, and that's right on the website, hopechildrenshome.org. When it doubles, what what does that mean? So we have uh, a generous donor that stepped up and said, hey, for every dollar that people give, we'll match that one-to-one. So um, so if you give $10, it's actually $20 coming to us. Wow. Wow. And I'm also seeing, I'm just going through the website, you have admissions. And I thought, what does that mean? Because, you know, you go to college, there's an admissions. Yeah. (laughs) Is this what people fill out to to try to get into this program? Because I, I guess there's there's a huge need. Mm-hmm. Um, is this what this is? Or do yeah, so you know, we put that up um, actually just a couple of years ago um, because what we found is families in need are just jumping on Google and trying to find places um, like, man, I need help with this or my kids and things. And so we put that on there as a way. And if you, you, you know, you read through the copy on there, it really just explains to that needy mom or that needy family, like how the process works and, um, you know, getting them to understand you're not losing control of your kids. You still have say, we're just here to, to partner with you as a parent, help you get on your feet. Let us take care of the kids. Let's do this together. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's on there. So it just gives uh, needy families a, a point of contact so that they know how to reach out to us um, so that we can talk with them and see if this is, you know, something that we can do together. Yeah, everybody, along with Matt, let's pray. Let's pray for Hope Children's. Let's pray for these kids. Let's pray for the ministry out there. Prayer works. Yeah. I've drilled that into my audience. They know this. Right. On experience, when we send a prayer out, it's this overwhelming energy that lifts up people. And, and you know when the prayer 
isn't coming your way. You know when there's no prayer because, mm. you know, look, people were praying for me when I was waiting for the heart transplant. Yeah. And they found out, oh, he's going to live. He's fine. Mm -hmm. So they stopped yeah. praying. And I was, <laughs> but I was like, why don't I feel the same strength? Sure. I have a brand new heart in me. Yeah. I, I felt amazing strength leading up to the surgery with only half a heart. Why do I? And it's yeah. because people stopped praying because I got the miracle. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Ever reminder keep praying. Also, everyone go to hopechildrenshome.org to uh, learn more about them, possibly yeah. donate. And uh, yeah, Matt, thank you for the remarkable journey and using the gifts God's given you to, you know, and, and, and you adopted children. So <laughs> amazing. I'm, uh, and how's your wife? Uh, enjoying this experience oh she loves it yeah so she's she heads up like the marketing media side of things and so the website you're looking at that's her creation and social media and all that stuff she loves it she's in her element so we we enjoy serving together for sure anything you want to you want to leave with us any any thoughts I just said uh, thank you again, Paul, for having us. Thank you for the exposure and all the listeners out there. Again, as Paul mentioned, prayer, uh, man, uh, you know, can't underestimate that. And we just, um, you know, what just covet that. And um, if there's anything I could ever do to anyone out there listening for help, um, you know, use us as a resource, maybe in your communities. And um, if you're a pastor, or you're involved in the church and you know a family that needs help, don't ever hesitate. Pass on our contact information. We're there to help as many families as we have beds for and, uh, and, and we do whatever we can. Thank you so much, Matt. Uh, honored to, to meet you again and talk with you. And uh, yeah, I've been hanging out with your brother. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. No. <laughs> We had, a good time. We, had a, we had a good time the other night at his around his patio at his home yeah. and uh you, your family is amazing what you guys are doing with the calling god's given you and it's just great to know you so thank you for being on this and i'll let you know when it comes out and we'll okay. just word out about this amazing ministry which man i was just so drawn to it so first awesome. step we share it and then we'll see what else we can do okay thanks paul appreciate it Hi, Matt. Talk All to right, bye-bye. Please subscribe to the Paul Cardall Podcast wherever you listen. For more information, visit www.paulcardall.com. When we listen to someone's story and ideas, we build bridges to connect with others. When we allow ourselves to see someone else's point of view, it minimizes arguments and disagreements. Consider this podcast an inspirational and encouraging conversation between two ordinary people with extraordinary gifts that'll encourage, inspire, and motivate your life's purpose with greater insight, wisdom, and compassion for those we encounter in life.